Welcome to the Back in Business podcast with the fragrant Liz Barkley and me, the odorous Mickey Clark. Business writers and broadcasters with more than 70 years of burbling about small business between them. That wasn't <laughs> bad, was it? Us any of the wise no, it no. Good news this week, Liz, is that we're all going to start wearing face masks. Most of my mates have been wearing face masks for years, but they carried guns as well. So I don't oh. know if it's going to make a lot of difference. But it'll be good for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> grab and run, mostly. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of news coming out again this week about uh, about COVID-19 and the impact on business. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to lurch towards confusion over who can do what, especially with the devolution. You know, we're going to open our shops on the 15th of June. Wales are going to start thinking about it on the 18th of June. Uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. But what I find even more confusing is that if I ask uh, 40 economists what's going to happen to the economy, I get 40 different answers. How, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, but the difference is work? they get well paid for it and you don't. <laughs> well, one person who might have uh, some of the answers as to what is going on out there is our business editor, Declan Curry. We're also joined by Simon McVicker, our back-in-business director of public affairs. A veritable feast of guests will be introduced as we go through the podcast. But Declan, apart from some businesses like the car showrooms and the market stalls, which we'll be talking about in a minute, getting uh, back to work. What else has been happening? Bring us up to date. I'm surprised that if you talk to 40 economists, you only get 40 answers back. <laughs> I would have expected at least 80 uh, from that one. Look, uh, there is some good news out there. The pubs are planning to reopen. So long as you don't try to drink through your face mask, you'll probably uh, be fine. Debenhams is also reopening. Uh, I wonder, there must be some shoppers out there who will notice that they were closed. Uh, Primark and Oxfam uh, also back as well within the next fortnight. And IKEA is opening, has opened already. So this week we've seen MPs queuing to vote and we've seen shoppers queue outside IKEA. At least at IKEA you get a decent cabinet at the end of it. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> more restaurants are saying that they are not going to reopen. They are going to stay permanently closed. And we know that's because that sector was in trouble before coronavirus anyway. And all the lockdown has done is accelerated the inevitable closures in the casual dining uh, area. And Mickey will say more about this if he wants to, that it's the at the old problem of too much debt around causing too many of them to open and not being a big enough market there uh, to uh, provide for them all. Uh, we're also seeing more jobs going in the car industry and we've seen sales collapse there. But then uh, the car showrooms have only just reopened this week, so those figures might turn around again. The economic news is indicating that we are still shrinking but the worst of the slump may be over across a whole range of different indices. Now, the fall in May wasn't as severe as it was in April. I know it's pretty thin gruel, but it may be the best that we can point to at this stage. But don't you think there's more to come, Declan? Don't you think even though the slump wasn't as bad in May as it was in April, that there could be worse to come when we actually see what's not opened up again? Nobody knows. 
The Bank of England was hoping for a swift recovery following a swift decline. That doesn't seem to be happening at the moment, but it depends on a number of things that are outside of the control of policymakers, whether there is or isn't a second wave of infections, how quickly the lockdowns are eased across the country and how soon confidence is restored. Some slightly worrying numbers from GFK, the long-term researchers into consumer confidence today, shows that confidence actually fell even more in May than it did in April. What do you think though, Declan? We've had a lot of uh, a lot more stories this week. Um, the car industry, um, aerospace, automotive, retail, hospitality, pubs, all complaining about their lot in life, uh, all wanting cash injections. Um, but a lot of them industries were in trouble long before COVID-19 ever appeared. Somewhere, in particular the restaurant industry, which we've mentioned already, casual dining's been uh, in a bad way for some time. Retail is having a long-term re-examination of what is the purpose of shops, what is the role of the high street in a time of great technological advance and more uh, transactions uh, over mobile. But aerospace? Well, leaving aside Rolls-Royce's individual issues with uh, the engine repairs that it's been carrying out over uh, the last couple of years, aerospace is an industry in which Britain was a world leader, so too pharmaceuticals. Yet these are also looking for temporary help because the coronavirus lockdowns has thrown their big customers, uh, the airline industry, into disarray. Um, Simon, you have got your ear on the ground in uh, Westminster and Scotland and Northern Ireland and hopefully in Wales. Um, what's, your, what's your take on all of this? Is there panic in Yeah, Yeah, well, uh, I, I think uh, what I'm hearing is there is now a sense of panic, at least deep concern in uh, Downing Street about uh, the economic costs of the lockdown. I mean, I think they are shocked by how effective the lockdown has been and how much actually people are quite enjoying it. Uh, and so they are now trying to get people back to work as quickly as possible. But uh, I think Declan is overlooking one big thing, and it's the confidence of people in the economy. Uh, I, I mean, if I look at this freelance sector, which I know very well, um, there's another report out this week from Edinburgh Business School which looks at the um, the professional freelancers, basically, people like you and me, Liz, and uh, it's a 1,400 survey, and 91% of these people are not getting any government financing. They're not able to access any of the government finance, and subsequently, they've lost three quarters of their income, and they are facing severe cash flows. And there are now also, this report is saying, getting depressed, they are mentally, their stress levels are up by about 80%. And Professor Francis Green, who is the author of the report, says the situation is dire for these people. Now, these are not blue-collar workers. These are people like you and me, uh, they're IT contractors, they're engineers. So, uh, I mean, I think this is an, an underlying indicator of how people are feeling beneath the headlines, beneath the scare stories beneath what average GKN is doing to be honest this is where the core of this story is do you, do you um, think Simon, also, Simon do you, quick one do you, do you also think that people are getting worried and confused about all this because 
we have devolution and it seems as though all different governments now are running at different paces, going in different directions. And if you're trying to run a business, you can't get any sense of normality. Um, and, 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 you know, to look at the future and say, this is what's going to happen. This is how I'm going to handle it. Well, look, I agree that the messaging is definitely confused from the uh, British government's point of view. Uh, and I think they've been all over the shop. But I do actually think that you have to also realise that the disease has hit different areas of the countries at different times. And for instance, like the northeast at the moment is undergoing quite a bad time because it's taken time for the disease to get up there. Scotland also, it's taken longer for it to hit up there. So I think those governments are reacting to their situations. I do think they're slightly more cautious. Their politics would suggest they would be slightly more cautious about opening up the economy again. But they would probably say they are doing what they think is best for their people. But I definitely agree with you on the mental health issue, Simon. And certainly I've been talking to a lot of people this week who think that it is that confidence, it's the uncertainty around everything, and people are really struggling uh, emotionally and with their mental health. And that's and, something that we are going to have yeah. to uh, talk and, about. And I also other... think when furlough ends and people have lost their jobs... That's the key point. Yes, and we won't know that until actually the furlough ends and we see what's happened on the high street. But what about you? Are you getting back to work? Are you getting ready to get back to work? Are you worrying about whether you'll have a viable business left to go back to? Email us. Let us know what's happening to you. Contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Visit the website. Find us on LinkedIn or we're on Twitter at business underscore back in now as liz said markets have been opening up again the local ones selling everything from coat hangers to aubergines our chief reporter jody rambai has been finding out what's been happening in her local market hi i'm jody rambai chief reporter for back in business i'm here at leicester market today one of the largest outdoor covered markets in europe to find out how traders are doing as they get back into business following the lockdown Leicester Market is over 700 years old, and on a normal day, this area would be packed with people and traders, but today it is still rather quiet. Now, I'm joined by Molly Maguire, who has been here for almost 30 years trading at Leicester Market. Hi, Molly. Hi, Jyoti. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I could do with a few more customers, but as you can see, it's uh, extremely quiet. So, Molly, can you tell me, how um, has business been since you reopened? Uh, well, I reopened on Tuesday. Um, I did get the heads up from the market office that I was allowed to start back then. So, I have been fortunate and I had some of my customers' phone numbers, and they really wouldn't have known that I was back if I hadn't have texted them. They have been brilliant and they've come up, loyal customers, which is what you strive for when you're on the market. Um, but passing trade is um, at a minimum. Well, yes, it's, as you can see, there is no passing trade whatsoever at the moment. Um, it's still been worth me coming. Um, as again, to sort of, I don't want to let my loyal customers down when I say, but I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here. But you can see yourself, you know, it is um, pretty desolate at the moment. Okay, and um, overall, how has the pandemic affected your business? Um, well, I do sell online as well. Um, I've got a couple of um, elder sons and they sell online, so they've been helping me out with that. That has kept us sort of going. Um, 
but it is just nice to be back and you know see a few familiar faces. Um, as you mentioned, it's very very quiet here. Have you spoken to any of the traders? Um, do you know what their concerns are about coming back? Uh, a lot of them do want to come back, but. Um, they are a little bit worried. They're worried about whether people are going to be into t- coming into town. Obviously, they're worried about the second wave of the pandemic, um, and I think that is why they are, you know, they're staying away at the moment. Okay. I guess my final question is: um, so it looks like retailers are still looking to go ahead and open next week. Um, what is your advice for them? Um, well, I think with a lot of the big stores and everything, they're going to they're going to do fantastically well. I mean, you've seen the queues for the supermarkets and things like that. Um, so I think, and they're expecting huge queues for Primark, uh, places like that. Smaller independent ones. I just really hope that they're going to be, you know, successful. Um, you know, it just depends on where the public choose to buy. A lot of them have been buying online which is going to have a really big impact on on all traders, really. I think they're finding out easier it is to do that. Um, so why would they want to come into the, you know, into the city centre? So it's just a big game of keeping our fingers crossed. Well, thank you very much, Molly. That's been great. That's all from me here at Leicester Market. Back to you, Liz and Mickey. So that was Jyoti uh, talking to Molly. Um, Joe Harrison is Chief Executive of the National Market Traders Federation. Joe, I think basically what uh, Molly was saying there on the market in uh, Leicester, sums, it, it points to what Simon was saying. There's a lack of confidence amongst consumers coming out. They're not sure what to do. They're not sure how it's going to feel to be coming out to things like the markets again. Is this happening all over the country? Well, hi there. It it really is a a mixed bag. Um, And indeed, you know, our organisation has been around an awful long time. And and whilst we've had the lockdown and after we'd stopped fighting the fires of where people couldn't get hold of, uh, you know, some support to their income and everything else, which we've had you know, to be fair, quite a good access to government and make sure we put the cases. And in many cases, we've been, you know, we've been listened to. I think government needs that input from the uh, the industries that they're dealing with because obviously they're not experts in the industry and and, and in many cases don't understand the industry in, in a lot of ways. And we can put that forward. And the fact that we've got that opportunity, that's great. But yes, we. But I think in in real terms, us we as an industry, we market the retail markets industry as a whole needs to do its bit to in in order to restore that confidence. We've done an awful lot of work. We've done a a ten page. Uh, ele- you, know, you can access it electronically from our from our website. It's on the home page. You don't need to be a member of the NMCF. You you can go there. And as a market trader, you can take your steps through. And we've done it as a practical guide. It's nothing like the government's guidance, because quite frankly, I think you need a degree in hieroglyphics to actually work your way through it. But it is in practical, plain English terms, with pictures, with, with taking their traders. Traders are really full of an awful lot of common sense and they've, they've made their way in life and established businesses over many years. And therefore, you know, they know exactly where they're up to. We've got a different thing to deal with here. And what we've got to deal with is, is work with the market management and the, and the operators, that the different markets they work on, and actually put into place 
what has been allowed to open so far is the old outdoor markets. And science has said there's highly less likely to, to actually contract the virus in the open air. And that's what we lobbied for, because we had a ridiculous thing in the guidance where indoor markets could sell the essential goods, but outdoor markets could only sell food, which, like, just didn't. And that's why I think, you know, the mistakes get made. I wrote to both secretaries of state and with... and. and highlighted that you know that indifference and and in in real term six days later when uh, the prime minister announcing that we could open the open outdoor markets i think it's getting the messages through to government from the different industries what is needed and then listening to that in practical terms it's really important joe uh, you've seen pubs do deliveries of food for people um farm shops doing deliveries you go down to the local outdoor market and you see those same people. Have many of your members been able to adapt their businesses in, in the wake of this crisis? Do you, do you know what, Mickey? There's been so many, we've spent the last five or six years telling market traders we're going to have to change because the re, you know retailing online is a fact of life and it's going to be a bigger fact of life going forward. But people do still enjoy having the face-to-face -face engagement. And so, therefore, we need to maintain that. But in order to support those businesses, those types of businesses, they need to adapt and they need to have an online presence. We've been encouraging them to do so. This last 10 weeks in, in this lockdown has done for us the greatest good ever because they've woke up and smelled the coffee and quite a lot are market traders are very adaptable people and 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 for the sake of a few quid they've organized themselves with websites they've got themselves on the social media sites where they can offer up local deliveries within say 30 mile radius of, of where they're trading um or, or would would have been trading on the non-essential goods and they've, they, they have adapted themselves but what they need to do going forward is to keep that up because with with opening the markets, we're still it's not like we used to be. I mean, the all essence of markets is bringing people together. It's a great place to meet your mates, your family, whatever. Get down the market, sit in the cafe, go to the pub on the market, whatever. And 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 it's about we're going to have to do that differently, and certainly going to have to do it differently while we have until we get that vaccination and we can get back to somewhere near normal. So it's going to be a whole new normal. You're going to be needing to queue to actually access the market because we can only allow so many on there in order that we get it right. But there's no two ways about it. Both sides of the industry, in the management and the operation side and the trader side, we're going to, we're going to build that confidence. And we've got plenty of access to signage and announcements, making public announcements on address systems and what that. Everything's being lined up, but it's the get-go was Monday, but there'll be it'll be two or three weeks down the line before everybody's ready. It's getting access to all the the PPE that's needed, and the, we we've we designed and accessed some sneeze guards so the the traders can take the the money at a certain point on the stall. All these things we're going to need to introduce. So when the market shoppers are coming along, you'll see a little bit of a different type of market than they used to do because the stalls will be need to be more spread out than they used to be or gaps left so we can address the social distancing. But but if there's anybody that's got the gumption, in, 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 well, they say where I come from, then the, the market traders will apply it and make sure it's right. I think, uh, given in my local market, I had a look at it. Uh, yes, there's there's a lot of 
uh, gumption coming into play down there in order to get that open. But let's bring in those people who haven't yet got the nod as to when they can open fully. Uh, we've got Sam Harrison, who's been taking notes from what you have just said. Uh, Sam's the owner of Sam's Riverdale Restaurant in uh, Riverside Restaurant in London. Uh, Gareth Streetfield is the owner and co-director of the Eric Jones Cafe in Gwent, I think. And Jane Pendlebury is CEO of HOSPA, H-O-S-P-A. Um, Jane, just first of all, what's the impact of the lockdown on the hospitality industry, would you say, in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland? It's been devastating, absolutely, across the board. Um, I wouldn't say there's any difference, really, between the different nations. It's just been the same since the lockdown was first announced. Um, And you mentioned earlier about a lot of the businesses already being in trouble. There were also a lot of very successful businesses out there who just had their revenue streams cut um, overnight um, and still had a lot of costs to incur. Um, And whilst the government help was absolutely brilliant, the furloughing, lifesaver effectively, um, there were still other costs that were going out in addition to the staff. Um, But like Joe said um, about market traders being adaptable, hospitality owners are exactly the same. Um, Over 90% of hospitality businesses, that's ranging from everything across the board in hospitality, are SMEs. So they're small, independent businesses uh, and they're run by entrepreneurs and they have adapted as well as they can very quickly into takeaways, deliveries, um, maybe evening, even delivering free of charge to some of the key workers. So it's been devastating, but they have tried to be as positive as possible. Do you think, uh, Joe? Gareth, you, Gareth, can I just bring Gareth in? Because you have been adaptable, Gareth, haven't you? Has it worked? Yeah, absolutely. We've, you know, we've, we've seen this as an opportunity and you've, you've, got to, um, you've got to take the ball by the horns, as it were, and, get, and just get on with it. You know, we, we rely on passing trade. We're, we're, we're out of town. Um, and we've said, you know, we looked at our situation. What have we got? We've got cars that, you know, they will eventually start coming by. And the other the presenters there were saying, yeah, you've, you've got to make sure it's safe. Those, those people are, are cautious. And if you can give those positive messages out, you know, you can you can you can attract them in. Um, but absolutely, you know, it, it's, your legs have been cut from underneath you. you. You've got to stand back on your on your two feet again. You know, you've got to learn how to walk again. Um, and that's and that's what we saw as the opportunity and to drive start this drive through, um, and it's yeah it, it's it's taking time. We're getting people coming through. Let's say they're not our regular customers because we we used to using people you know the the cyclists and the climbers uh, up here in North Wales. It's uh, you get the bikers, the motorbikers, um, and during the week we get the pensions coming out. Like you know coming for a cup of tea and a chat. Um, so it's. We, 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 we started the, the exercise thing's been great because we've seen the cyclists come back they're loving us um oh, they're, they're just over the moon oh, brilliant we've got some somewhere open to come and come and have a cuppa um we've seen we've seen bikers come out this this week unfortunately as as, as uh, you know, presenter was saying that this um confusion coming across the border that's that's you know the, the bikers they, they, they're so desperate. The weather's been brilliant. They want to get out on their bikes. You know, have a, have, a, have a blast, as it were. You know that that sort of trade. But we'll see that coming back. And we, we're already looking ahead. Uh, this is where we need a bit of guidance. You know, two three weeks down down the road um, to adapt to allow them on site. How can you get them on safely? Because it, it's all going to come back. But you've just got to start thinking how. 
And maybe, and maybe the practical information that Joe has uh, provided for his market traders might be useful to you. So we can make sure that you get that because I suspect there'll be a few tips in there. But Sam, you weren't in the position of being adaptable because you'd only just started, hadn't you, before all of this storm hit? Uh, that's right, Liz. We, uh, we opened in November, so we were only four and a half months um, in. Um, and as anyone knows, um, the opening of any business is pretty tough. I think opening a restaurant is about as brutal as it gets. Um, we'd had two years planning, uh, two years running the, uh, raising the finances, planning, builders, negotiating with landlords, uh, four months of trade. And, and sort of psychologically, we just got over the what I call the opening hump. Um, we'd had an incredible January and February, much stronger than traditionally restaurants have. And then literally, the, yeah, the rug got pulled away from us. Um, I've, I've got a team of 40 staff and, and my uh, sort of responsibility and initial thought was we will come out the other side. How can I make sure I have a business and employment for them? Um, so, I, you know, cash is king. We, we started initially doing some takeaway and delivery. I quickly realized that I, I didn't think we were going to make any money out of it. In fact, probably we were going to lose money. Um, and I was able to negotiate with my landlord. So we, we have basically been able to mothball our business. I, I count myself as fortunate. Uh, all the staff are on furlough, so they're, they're all looked after. Um, and now, you know, we are very much gearing up um, to be ready to go on the 4th of July. Um, but but we just need that clarity um, on whether that's going to be possible. But the, the point is, Sam, that you are in a position to come back, whereas many of your rivals have been going to the wall. Um, you know, that's the industry you're in. It's yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, I think it's only highlighted how tight the margins are in this business. And, you know, we all have favorite restaurants or famous restaurants. You go on a Friday, Saturday night, you think they are packed. You think they must be printing money, but but a lot are not. It's so tight, the, the profit margins in this business. And, and I think that's, this has just been highlighted. Uh, I mean, you know, in my mind, when we are ready to go again, it, it's not going to be about profitability. It's about survival, uh, you know, w- without putting too sort of strong a... You know, we're coming out of a war here. Um, and how do we survive the next two months, six months, nine months, 12 months? Um, but it, but it's just going to highlight how tough a business this is. Uh, Sam, I, I don't mean to be unkind, but if there were too many restaurants before the crisis, how do we have a thriving dining industry afterwards? Declan, listen, I think you're right. I think there were too many restaurants. And I think, um, listen, I'm, I'm an independent restaurant and some of your other guests are. So I'm very passionate about small independent. I, I think there are too many chains and big operators. Um, I, I think there has been a surplus of restaurants that, and there isn't enough demand. And again, you know, when we come out the other side, you know, there already have been casualties in, in, from the chains and I think there will be more. Sadly, there will be casualties from independence as well. Um, but, but I think what we'll see is that locals, um, people want to support good businesses. They want to support businesses they believe in, uh, businesses that have heart and integrity. So I, I, f- I feel sorry for any business that goes under or people lose their jobs. But quality will always shine through, I believe. 
Can I just ask Gareth about the response of the Welsh government? I mean, Gareth, do you, you know, we, we've talked quite a lot on this programme about what the government has done. And I, I feel we haven't quite touched on whether or not the Welsh government has done a better job or a worse job. How, how did you find the response? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one, really. It's, it's a tough call. I mean, it's, it's for, for anyone. And I, I, it's only reflection now. I think looking, you can look across the border and we look at the, the, the beaches down at Bournemouth and they're swamped and you hear about cafe owners down there um, saying that it's them to sort of shut down because they're scared, you know, and you can see the people flocking there. And up in North Wales here, there's a famous beach here, Black Rock Sands. And we, we, I've got to say, we're a little bit scared because if everyone came across here, we're thinking, oh, what, what, what would we do? We, I don't think we could cope with that influx. Um, you think, yeah, it's great. It's a great opportunity for a business. Um, and I think that's what the, the, the Welsh government are worried about because we've got such small communities here. Um, it could, it could be devastating. It could, you know, and I think that's, and if you talk to the locals as well, they're, they are more than happy. And I think last night I saw in the news, I think 60% of the locals are happy that with, with the lockdown as it is in Wales. Um, and I, I can understand that the, there is a fear and there's a, there's a wave and it's going to come. And it's just how long you can hold that wave off. And it's because you can't say, oh, we can turn the tap on and you can come, you can't come. It's, it's just going to happen. And that's where the businesses have to be ready. And that's where I think, you know, that's where the government, I can see why they're doing baby steps to saying, get ready for three weeks. Businesses must be ready to start opening the doors. We're lucky. That's why we, we, we took the opportunity to start putting these things in place early because you can, um, yeah, you can, you can learn from it. We learn from our mistakes. Um, so yeah, the Welsh government, it, I think, I think response has, has been spot on. Hold back a little bit. Cash wise, you know, their, their grants, um, they, they were, it was, we were lucky. We've actually managed to get the, the Welsh uh, Development Bank of Wales loan. Um, you had to get in there quick, but so we've actually eventually managed to get a bank loan and the Development Bank of, of, of Wales loan as well. But the hospitality business in Wales, we're looking at three winters, you know, effectively. And again, I think you've heard the Welsh government asking uh, the UK, uh, you know, uh, Westminster, they're asking, you know, can we extend our furlough? Um, a bit further because you can see what's going to happen. You come to October, it closes down. We, we normally close down middle of December right through to February. So we've got no income. Um, so we're let's, going to have to, um, no. let's bring Jane back in, the Chief Executive of HOSPA. Jane, I'm going to wave my magic wand and in the next fortnight your businesses will return to normal. Um, that's great. But what about the prospect of double bubble next year as far as national insurance and VAT is concerned? I think the restaurants are going to uh, restaurants, cafes, pubs, even small hotels are going to be really struggling because not only have they had all this downtime with no revenue, they may also be burdened with debt, where from some of the grants that they've taken that have been loans rather than gifts, um, and any further impact, any further costs are going to severely impact their businesses. Um, UK hospitality are doing a great job battling on behalf of the industry at Westminster, um, and they're going for all sorts of things like the extended furlough that was mentioned, um, reductions in VAT, 
all those sorts of things. But there's there's going to be other issues for the industry as well. Opening up, it's not not necessarily a straightforward process. Even even just reopening the doors isn't as easy as it might sound. And what about um, you know Joe's taking the steps to um, issue advice to market traders, etc. Is there enough advice and help and guidance out there for people like Sam and Gareth who you know need to be ready? As Gareth says, we've got to be ready. Is there enough support? Um, from from the government support, I th- I think that it's 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 okay. It's been there's been some brilliant stuff. There could have potentially been more, and if it's extended, that would be even better. I think from a practical point of view, um, organisations such as as HOSPA are able just to share experiences and best practice from other people. Um, a lot of my role since shutdown has literally been picking up the phone um, or answering the phone. Haven't had time to be proactive particularly uh, to members who just want to know what other members are doing, what other establishments are doing, how they're coping and what their plans are. So we've been doing things. We've we've been issuing some guidance and running some webinars. um, But I think it's up to everybody to work out what's best for them and it it won't be one size fits all. Um, If you had a crystal ball, what would you say hospitality, as in the cafes and restaurants, etc., that sector will look like in five years' time, given what Declan has said about some that weren't viable even going into this. Certainly, we will have sorted the wheat from the chaff, which is which is very sad because some were everyone's working on very slim margins. E- even the big, as as somebody else mentioned, the famous names um, are working on slim margins. So going forward, I think there will be less venues out there. Hopefully, in five years, we'll be seeing a return to normal. But I don't think we can predict any sort of normal or twenty nineteen type revenues until twenty twenty two, realistically. Um, and then the focus will have changed when you there'll be no more buffets anymore. I think for a very long time, people won't be happy, happy to share anything. There'll be lots of changes that have to go into place. Um, the social distancing is a big question at the moment, whether at the moment we're two metres and lots of people are lobbying for the one metre as other countries have done. Um, but as someone said to me just recently, oh, I don't want to get within two metres of a stranger anyway. Um, so maybe those restaurants where you go and, and share big tables, um, maybe the, those days are numbered as well. Yeah, that, that kind of no more sharing. That'd be good for you. <laughs> No more buffet. Well, there was never a chance of getting near the buffet when you were in the room anyway. Jane, did you say five years before revenues recover? Um, No, it was Liz that said what will the industry look like in five years' time. I think revenues... I think revenues, hopefully, we're, we're working on revenues being back in place by 2022, certainly not next year. I think it'll take longer than longer than a year to recover, but maybe 2022 is a realistic expectation at this stage, given what we know today. Uh, we're running out of time, sadly, because I think we can carry on all day. Uh, Sam, Gareth, if you were asked for one, one tip to uh, others listening, what would it be? Uh, I think, listen, there's, there's obviously quite rightly um, a bit of doom and gloom and caution around, but, but as someone said, you know, hospitality is a great industry. And I think we've got to remember that um, when we come, when we are able to reopen, there's going to be a lot of people out there gagging to go out again and, and wanting to celebrate. And I think we've got to play on that. You know, it is hospitality industry. That's what we do. We look after people 
And yes, there, there are going to be restrictions, whether it's two meters, one meters. But fundamentally, we can still look after people. We can still give people an experience. Um, but a lot of that is about mindset as operators and, and our guests. But, but we've got to win their confidence, win their trust. Um, but let's not forget what we do. Well, we will be booking and Mickey's paying. <laughs> Gareth, a I'll tip, a tip from Fat you. chance. <laughs> A tip, um, from, tip you, from me. Yeah, bigger tip. Use the time wisely for innovation. Um, look at your business from a you know a step back. You've got time. Um, we we started you know we're looking at online ordering, taking bookings um, for the for the cafe, for the drive through, click and collect, and also we're looking at a loyalty scheme as well. So giving people free food. Um, yes, yeah, so just trying to keep to keep those customers. That'll be my biggest uh, biggest tip, I think. Joe, very quickly, very final little thought. Yeah, we just we just gotta we just gotta motivate ourselves and, and and build the confidence. That's what we've got to do. We've got to you know we've got we've got to remember that we, the customer is what we need, and we've got to make sure that customer feels safe and feels uh, you know feels like they, they they're okay to come out and 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 shop and and go to the pub and go to the restaurant. Uh, and it's building that back and it's getting that back because we, we we've just frightened them all to death by locking them away for 10 weeks. Thank you, you know, Joe, It's been a big shock much. for people's lives. Thank you, Simon. That's exactly what you and I were saying yesterday. We've scared people. Now we've got to work out how to get them back to work. Get them back in. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really sorry we have to close it there, but it's just been a great conversation. And I'd like to say thank you very much to Jane, to Joe, to Sam, to Gareth, and, of course, to the whole team. Um Take care. Hopefully you will um, have a good week, but also give us a, a call, give us a, an email, drop us an email. Let us know what's happening in your business. What are your experiences? Contact us at contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Visit the website or find us on LinkedIn. And we'll be back next week talking about food and corner shops. See you then.